All right, um, you ready to, uh, to read the word? Let's turn to the gospel, not the gospel, but the book of James, way in the back there, James. If you're not sure where James is at and you have a, how many of you have a paper Bible? Just be bold and hold, I know you have one at home. How many of you have one right now? All right, good. All of those have a table of contents. Otherwise, you're in electronics. You just put James and it comes up like that, which is great too. So we're going to read James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And today I'm going to talk about resilience. And this is a, uh, we could say faithfulness, we could say patience, perseverance, all of those terms. But today I'm just going to fashion it a little bit differently. And we're going to talk about resilience today, which is, you could say that's the ability to bounce back, spring back, uh, re- recalculate. Not, you know, if you get knocked down, you get back up. So we're going to talk about resilience. Now, the verse that's, that's up here starts at verse number two, but let's go back and just read verse number one because I think it's important, and I should have thought about that earlier in the week, but I didn't when we made these slides, so here we go. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So here we find that James is writing this book And he's not writing the book to a specific person or to a specific church or to a group of five or 10 or 15 churches. But who is this book written to? The Holy Spirit is inspiring James to write this book to who? To the believers scattered everywhere. And so not only is this book meaningful in that moment, in that season, in that year that James is writing it, but it's written to all believers. We learn and grow because the Word of God is written to us and for us, but this book specifically says, man, this is a book not to the problems of Corinth or to what the Ephesians were dealing with, but this book is written to to the vast array of believers, and so therefore we know this book is for us. How many of you would agree with that? This book's for me right now today in my life. So now, let's start reading there, verse number 2. We're going to read through 12, and then stay there because we're going to come back in a few moments and look at a couple verses specifically. Verse number 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, or patience would be another word for that, or you could might say resilience. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation because they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one 
who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. God, thank you for your word. It instructs us, it leads us, it inspires us, it corrects us, it pumps us up. Thank you, God, for your word. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Resilience, as I mentioned, is that ability to kind of bounce back. Webster says it's the capacity to recover quickly from difficulty. I would say maybe uh, this is Chris Stevens' uh, definition from the Bible. This is me. Uh, The capacity to recover while in a difficulty. I think that is resilience, that we learn how to go through difficulties in, uh, in a good way, trusting God. Booker T. Washington said, I have learned that success is to be measured not so much in the position that one has reached in life, but by the obstacles overcome while trying to succeed. If we think that success and that resilience that leads to it is marked by a position, we might find ourselves disappointed we certainly will find ourselves disappointed on the journey to whatever that position is. But success needs resilience, and resilience is that ability to say, I'm going to recover quickly while in a difficulty, while in a trial, while in the tough times, I'm going to learn how to live a vibrant life. Resilience is so important. Not only do researchers find that it uh, inhibits um, things like depression, Uh, Things like just getting down, resilience keeps us in a more positive state of mind, so it's very healthy for us uh, in our physical condition as well as our mental condition. I want to speak to the young people today uh, just for the next couple of moments. Resilience is vitally important for you. It is vitally important that you don't allow the images that are in movies and televisions and, and whatever is on the screen to be the image that you think is an actual reality. Movies are movies for a reason. <laughs> okay? And, and all the social media and the highlight reel of everyone's life is kind of doing the same thing. And so resilience is going to be vitally important for you. Life is not always easy. Praise God for the times that it is. Thank God for the moments when you go, man, this is awesome. This is great. This is easy, smooth sailing. Here we go. That's great. But that's not the totality of life. Life is difficult during seasons, and it is in those seasons that who you are is really tested. And so we're going to find out, God, you're going to find out, God knows, but you're going to find out, what can I overcome? What can I do? Many times in sports, this is a great a microcosm teacher of resilience and overcoming things. You know, in in football, you get hit, you you jump back up. You get hit, you jump back up. Uh, There was a a, a UGA coach, he went over to to Auburn, I think, and and he he wanted to contact one of his former players to help him recruit some some football players to go to Auburn. And he said, hey, listen, man, we we need to get some, we need to get some really good players here. And and the uh, former player said, you know, what, what kind of players are you talking about? He says, he says you know those players that when, when you, you just knock them down, they get back up? And the guy goes, Coach, that's, that's the kind of players we want. He goes, no, that's not the kind of players we want. He says, you know, those, those guys, when you knock them down, they get back up. When you knock them down, they get back up. When you knock them down, they get back up. And the player said, Coach, that's the kind of player that we need to get for Auburn, right? And he goes, no. The kind of player that we want at Auburn is the guy who's knocking everybody down. 
But life happens, and we do get knocked down. We've got to get back up. Parents, I just want to give you a word of encouragement, a word of just a word. (laughs) Teach your children to be resilient. And the best way to do that is through modeling for them. I think there's a lot of mistakes, and I'm not, truly, I'm not talking about the parents here, but I'm talking about our society in general. A lot of mistakes are being made with children as as it connects to resilience. How do you teach your children resilience? Number one, do not avoid or eliminate all risk. Let your children risk. Let them take a chance. Uh, If they can't fail, they can't succeed. It is impossible to succeed unless it's possible to fail. So let them take some risk. Let them take some risk that you wouldn't take, maybe that you never did take. When I was growing up, now, we, we had a pretty modest house, and it wasn't big. It was, it was just a ranch house and a basic roof, Florida. We didn't have cable and all that stuff. So we had a, a pole that went up. It was attached to the eve of the house, and it went up. It had an antenna up there. Some of you need to Google that. Young people need to Google an antenna. That's how we got all of our stations. So when we were playing in the backyard after school, me and my sister, and we had a bunch of friends that would come over, we'd play frisbee, we'd play football, we'd play baseball, we'd play jarts. I mean the real jarts, not the wimpy ones they have now. We had real jarts that could kill you. But one thing we would do is find out that if you miss, you know, if you, if you kick the football and it goes onto the house, you got to get it down because it's not coming down. And so what we would do is just simply climb up the pole, get on the roof, and get the football down. And what's the fun of just sliding back down the pole? There's no fun in that. So we'd go to the edge and just jump off. And then we found that's pretty cool. We would just climb up onto the roof to jump off. There was no ball up there at all. Well, that's a risk. We risked a lot, but it was fun. And we learned that we can do more then maybe what our gut was telling us, because you get up there and you're looking down, you're going, oh, am I going to die? You know, but you learn. I know that's a simple illustration. In life, it gets a little more complicated. Let your children have risk. Don't problem solve for your children. Let them wrestle. Let them develop those processes of problem solving. Let your kids make mistakes. Model adaptability. If we're going to be resilient, maybe we don't just keep banging our head up against the wall. Maybe we go around the wall. But help them to learn to be adaptable by modeling that adaptability. Here's some obstacles in uh, developing resilience, and I'm going to go through these really quickly, and we're going to go right back into James and kind of look at several of these verses. Obstacles in, in developing resilience, number one, is an entitlement mentality. I deserve an easy life. I deserve a great life. I deserve all the blessings just because... And then fill in the blank. <laughs> you know, just because I'm young, just because I'm, I'm athletic, just because I'm smart, just because I'm a boy, because I'm a girl, because I'm an American, because I'm blah, 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 whatever. Entitlement mentality says, I'm just entitled because. Wrong. You're entitled to one thing in life. A chance. And that's it. One thing in life. A chance, an opportunity to find out what you can do. Secondly, is a, a faulty view of failure. It, 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 
inhibits the, this ability to build resilience when we have a faulty understanding of failure because sometimes failure is one of the best things that can ever happen to you. I'm going to tell you a story, true story, about a family in Florida, had a, 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 a boy and a girl in the family, and every Friday at dinner time, and that was actually a good thing to have dinner with your family, just threw that out there for free. Every Friday evening at dinner time, the father would ask his two children one question. He said, what have you failed at this week? <laughs> you think, well, that's a positive father. But wait a minute. Every Friday he'd say, what have you failed at this week? And he was disappointed if they said, I didn't fail at anything this week. He was actually disappointed and he would let them know he was disappointed. Because he understood, unless you're trying something new, you're probably not failing. But if you're not failing, you're not trying something new. Well, this daughter, of course, became an adult. And uh, she went into the sales force. And so she learned that no is a reality. She would go in, going to sell her product? No. She'd go to the next company? No. She actually was so persistent sometimes because she was just like, I just want to see how far I can take this no. She would go into the company and she'd present it and they'd say no and she'd just keep presenting it. And She had the police called on her more than one time to have her removed from the company. She was just that. She was like, it wasn't, she, was, she knew she wasn't going to make a sale, but she kept pressing in there. She knew that she wasn't going to make the sale, but she kept going. Well, whatever happened to this woman? She had an idea about a product, and she made a prototype, and she went to companies to try and get them to invest in it and to produce it and so forth, to invest in her company to make this new product. No, no. No, she kept hearing no, she kept hearing no, she kept hearing no, but she persisted, she persisted, and she kept going. Whatever happened to her? She became the youngest female self-made billionaire in the world. Her name is Sarah Blakely. She invented Spanx. She kept hearing no, no, no. She, came, she became so immune to it. Failure is not the worst thing that can happen to us but we've got to redefine failure. Failure might be I'm one step closer to my success. I'm one no closer to my yes. And so we got to be resilient and keep going. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens because we actually make that decision. Sometimes we, an obstacle in, in building resilience is just simply just being fatigued by the fight, just getting tired. Just going like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I remember when we first started uh, Hope Crossings, we'd been going a few years, and I hit one of those walls. I was just fatigued by the fight, and I was just like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I remember Ralph Santos coming to me and saying, Pastor, I can tell you're discouraged. Hang in there. Hope Crossings is going to be amazing. Don't quit. Hang in there. And I said, okay, Ralph, because you said to do this, I'm going to do this. And sometimes you just get tired, and you, and, you gotta, and you gotta go for it. Resilience. How do we build resilience? How, how do we get this going in our lives? I think James chapter 1 gives us the answer. There in verse number 2, what does it say? He says, consider joy when you're encountering all these trials, when you're encountering difficulties, when you're, when you're getting faced with no and nothing's going right. He said, consider joy. You know, when you're going through a tough time, there's a lot of things you consider, right? 
You consider getting mad, getting angry, retaliating, being resentful, getting angry, getting depressed. There's a lot of things you consider. And here James has said, well, consider joy. Just consider like, yeah, let, joy's a good thing. And so he's, I believe joy is a decision that is made. It is a choice that we make in the good times for the bad times. It's easy to have joy when everything's going great. It's easy, to, it's easy to have joy when you whip up on the Florida Gators. It's just easy to have joy. And finally, the number one team in the nation looked like a number one team. It only took them like seven games this year, but they finally looked like number one up, up to this point. They've, anyway, that's another story. Yeah, it's easy to have joy when everything's going great, but man, we got to choose joy in the good times for the difficult times. I haven't always had joy going through some of the problems that I've gone through, and I'm, maybe you're in the same boat. But I think as we get older, we learn, I choose joy, and, it, and it's a residual, it has a residual effect. We just keep going with joy even through the difficult times. But verse number four talks about staying on course. What does verse number four say? He says, let perseverance finish its work. There is something that resilience is trying to do inside of you, that perseverance, that patience, that resilience. It says, let it finish its work so that you can be what? Mature. Complete. Lacking nothing. That God is doing a work in you. And if, let's say you're 20 years old, you can be mature and complete to the extent of a 20-year-old, to the extent of the time period that you have. So don't ever think, well, I, I've got a, I've got, I'm on the long-term plan and I'm not going to develop these things until I'm old. No, you develop them now and at the age of 30, you're more mature and more complete than you were at 20 and it just keeps going that way through life. And so we've got to say, how mature can I be as a 20-year-old? How mature can I be as a 30-year-old? Resilience and perseverance and patience are part of that ingredients that build within us that maturity and that completeness. Verse number five says to ask. Look at what it says, verse five. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. You know, when you're going through a tough time, that's a great time to pray. <laughs> that's a great time to go back and say, you know what, God, I need some help. I've never been through this problem. Now, see, when we go through the same problems that we've been through before, we kind of get a handle on it, and we may not really feel the need to ask, God, what should I do in this situation? I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying it's a tendency. But when we're facing a new problem, a new difficulty, when we're facing all of a sudden we're in, we're in new territory here. We've just graduated from high school, and now we're in college, and everybody in college is freshman year is like freaking out because they're not under the you know, wing of their parents. So now it's restrictions are off but does that mean the christian who's at college freshman year can just fall into that trap we're facing a new problem right now what do i do god i need wisdom how do i handle this maybe you just started a new business he's like man i i just man i'm tired of maybe working for somebody or whatever i want to do my own thing i want to start a new business well god i've never been here before how do i how do i manage this and he says if you lack wisdom ask but here's the deal with asking for wisdom the bible says he's going to give it if you lack wisdom he says god is generous in giving wisdom he's generous in giving wisdom so you can ask for wisdom and expect i'm going to get wisdom but then all of a sudden you are responsible for that wisdom 
You're responsible for what God tells you. Because the next part of it says what? But you need to ask in faith and don't doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a just driven back and forth. There's the wishy-washy, unstable. What, what, what happens? Okay, God, I'm going through this problem. I'm going through this trial. I'm, test, I'm, I'm trying to have joy. Yes. Now, Lord, I'm asking. I need wisdom. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. And somehow, some way, you read a verse and it just speaks to you. Someone at church mentions something. Somebody's teaching something. You hear a song. God just speaks to you. Whatever. However God gets that wisdom to you, he gets it to you. And here's the, here's the deal. In that moment, you got to go with the wisdom God gives you. Because if you don't, and all of a sudden you go, I, I know God revealed that to me, and God's given me that wisdom, but I don't know if that's going to work. Am I the only one that's ever done that before? I don't know. And what is he saying? He says, you're, you're waffling. And God gives you the wisdom. You got to go for it. And in the trial and in the difficulty, wisdom many times looks like a risk. It just looks like a risk. You want me to do what? <laughs> this guy just fired me. And instead of blessing him out, you actually want me to bless him? That doesn't feel, ah. God says, there's the wisdom. You trying to get out of this trouble? There it is. Then we've got to act on it. So we're responsible for the wisdom God gives us, and we've got to act on it, and we've got to go for it. And you know what? Hey, if, if, if you blew it and you didn't act on it, well, I've got good news for you. There's another trial coming. You'll get another chance. Because that's the way life goes. We go through all of those things. He uses this uh, negative example of, of being tossed back and forth and let that person not re think they'll receive anything from God. That's the negative consequences of, of waffling. But what, what, what would you think would be the positive consequences of not going back and forth and going, okay, God's given me this wisdom, it's a risk, but I'm gonna go for it. What do you think would be the positive consequences of that? I would just think of the words like confidence, steady, secure, moving forward, all of those things. Not waffling back and forth, but actually resolute and moving forward. Maybe we could use the word resilience. So, ask for God's wisdom and then go for it. But verses 9 through 11 is a, is, a, is a unique thing. He says, believers in a humble state should, should glorify the Lord for their high, their high standing. <laughs> it just sounds so weird. Poor people are in high positions. And then he says, and the rich people should glorify God in their humiliation. And then he says, you know, we're going to pass away. That's like the sun and the flower. And, of course, the Proverbs and Psalms tells us so many times that the that our life is like a breath that's here today and gone tomorrow. We're like the flower of the field that we, we come up and we bloom and then whoosh, we're gone again. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, you're gonna go through difficulties, consider it joy, ask for wisdom, get wisdom and go for it because you have a season of time in which God has given you in order for you to become that mature and complete at 30, mature and complete at 40, mature and complete until the last day of your life. You have a window of time and then there's eternity. 
This life, thank God, this, on this planet, in these bodies, is not all we get. Thanks be to God. It's not all we get. Because we were made for eternity. That's why when people get old, they look back and they go, well, it went so fast. It just, whoosh, you know, I remember when I was 20 and now I'm whatever. Because we were made for eternity. You're not made for just this life and just absorb all the pleasures and pleasures and pleasures and, and just forsake God for the sake of pleasures. He says, I made you for eternity and I'm putting you through some stuff so that you can become mature because I've got a plan for you after this body stops working. I still have a plan for you. There's a position for you in my kingdom. He's not just going to be floating on clouds playing a harp singing praise songs. Now, I, I, I don't know all the stuff that's going to happen in eternity, but I can tell you, we're not just going to sing praise songs. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I don't want to go right now today, but I'm looking forward to it. Because it's going to be amazing. It's, it's going to be like, I didn't, even, I didn't even know that was a possibility. I didn't even know that was going to happen. I didn't know that was going to be that way. We're, gonna be, we're just going to be like little kids going like, Disney World. We're going to be like, whoa. But God says, I want to get you ready now. We got to get ready now for them. We got to choose to go through trials and, and to have the joy and to ask God for wisdom because you're completing us, you're maturing us. And then, Lord, when you give us the wisdom, we're going to go for it because we only have a season of time. And how many of us, how many of us recognize and remember, I wish I would have in my 20s, you know? Well, we're not in our 20s anymore, but wherever we're at, well, we need to get busy now, right? We need to do what we're supposed to do now in this season because there's coming another season that's going to be different than the one we have now. Look at verse number 12. We're going to wrap this up right now, verse number 12. We're going to look at some other verses, but in James chapter 1, verse 12. He says, blessed is the man, happy is the man, joyful is the man who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want to draw out a couple of things from this verse. First off, blessed, happy, joyful, blessed. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. It does not say blessed is the one who in a difficult time, to use some sports analogies, hits the three-point shot with one second left in the game throws the winning touchdown pass, scores the goal, blah, whatever. It doesn't say the, the one who, who just is shining bright and awesome in that moment of trial. It, it says, blessed is the one who's, who just stood under the trial. There are times when just standing is success. You just stand up in the trial. You, you don't waver. Yeah, you, you, may not, you know, may not be making such progress as people can see, but people will never see the progress inside of your life while that progress is being developed, while the character and the integrity of your life is being developed. They see no progress. No one makes a special 
time slot in their schedule to watch the UGA Bulldogs football team practice. We watch the game. But they're going to lose every game if they don't practice. And man, these trials and these tests, it's a practice. God says it's a trial. It's a test. Okay, showing my age here. How many of you remember watching TV as a kid and all of a sudden the screen would have this weird computer thing on it and it would be And then the guy would come on there with a voice. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. If this were a real emergency, you'd be instructed where to go. This is only a test. Something like that. It's just a test. It's not an emergency. If it was an emergency, God would tell you, this is an emergency. Do something. But this is a test that you're going through. But we got to go through it right. we got to go through it well. He says we're blessed having stood in the test. That person will receive. He doesn't say that person's going to be put into a lottery and maybe they'll receive. No, that person will receive. That person will be rewarded. That person is going to be blessed. That person is going to receive the crown of life that the Lord, not the pastor, not the teacher, not the preacher, not the song, not the songwriter, that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Love him. Man, love is vital for persevering. And when we love the Lord, we are fulfilling what he's called us to do. He said the number one thing is to love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. You know, there's coming a day when this season of our existence, this season of our existence is going to come to an end and we are going to be transformed into another realm. All of that I don't understand. All of that I don't get a clear vision of it. I see through a glass dimly. I don't understand it all, but I know it's coming and I know the Lord's right in the middle of it and he says the Lord has promised a crown to those who persevere. The Lord has. And in that moment and in that day, when you stand before God, and the Bible says every one of us will stand before God. You stand before God, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know if in that moment we're going to look back at all the stuff we've been through. We had to overcome. We had to persevere through. I don't know if we'll remember all the sleepless nights and all the confusion and all the tension and all the, the fights that we had to work through with our spouse, our children, our parents, our neighbors, our bosses, whoever. I don't know if that will come to our mind right then, but I do know this. We'll be glad we made it through because in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. In that moment, we'll be like, whatever I went through, I'm glad I went through it because this moment is never going to be taken away from me. The Bible says that what we have stored up in heaven, thieves cannot break in and steal. Rust cannot deteriorate it. Moths will not come in and eat it away. That is secure for us in heaven. And in that moment, we're going to be going like, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. Whatever we struggled through, we didn't take the easy way out by saying, I quit. We persevered through it. We kept going. 
We didn't stop. We stood. Yeah, maybe, maybe we didn't do as much as what other people did. That's, they're not our standard. Christ says, I've got a plan for your life. And part of that plan is for you to go through some trials. And part of that plan is for you to have joy. And part of that plan is for you to ask wisdom. Part of that plan is for me to give you that wisdom. And part of that plan is for you to do that wisdom. And I've got something special for you when you get home. And I'm looking forward to that day. Amen? Micah, can you come up and play? I just want to take some time and pray today. And just say, God, you know what? As I look back at my life, I'm, sometimes it's just good for a moment to look back and go, Lord, thank you for the trials that I've been through. Thank you. Thank you that I learned. Thank you that I grew. Thank you that I improved. Thank you that I... Lord, thank you for the trials I failed at because I learned what not to do. Thank you. Thank you that you didn't give up on me. You didn't go, well, you failed that one. It's over. No, God never does that. God, thank you. Thank you. Now, Lord, whatever I'm going through right now, whatever I may be going through next week, next month, next year, whatever that is, Lord, I'm going to consider it pure joy. I'm going to be so thankful, God. Thank you for this opportunity to grow because you've got a plan for me in eternity. God, thank you for this opportunity for me to change, to mature, to reach whatever level of maturity and completeness I'm supposed to get to next. Lord, thank you. Thank you. God, thank you. Thank you.